Welcome to Craft of Code, a podcast brought to you by Linode that explores the stories of developers, entrepreneurs, and enterprises of all sizes from all over the world who share our mission to make cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible to all. runs on apps, which means application developers are some of the most important people in the world, right? Well, that's certainly how we see it here at Linode. In fact, our number one priority is to be the cloud developers trust. We want to help developers change the world by making cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible. Today, I'm joined by someone whose company shares that same focus on developers and making their jobs as easy as possible. We're talking with Peter Van Nordenen, Senior Director of Growth at Slim AI a company that is passionate about the developer experience. Slim AI wants to help application developers create and run their cloud-native apps with zero friction, complexity, and waste. Welcome, Peter. Hey, welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me. So let's begin our conversation by learning a little bit more about you. You started out as a journalist, writing stories for some really well-known publications and websites. A couple of them are some of my faves. And you also worked with publishers and then for a couple of the biggest names in travel websites, Orbitz and TripAdvisor. Tell us a little more about how your career path progressed and ultimately what led you to your current role working for Slim AI. Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I started as a journalist right out of college and started working for some outdoor travel publications like Outside and Skiing Magazine, some great pubs like that. And from there, I transitioned into a product management role at TripAdvisor or Orbitz and then TripAdvisor after that. And I really enjoyed sort of like pulling together, you know, different subject matter experts and creating an experience for end users, you know, at magazines that was readers at you know, the websites, it was it was the end users and working with engineers and developers to do that. So, you know, while I was at TripAdvisor, we were going through the process of switching this, you know, 20-year-old monolithic uh, application code base into a microservices environment. And that was really challenging from a product management perspective, but also really challenging for our application developers um, as they sort of learn new systems, learn new ways of releasing. Um, but it gave us a lot of advantages too. You know, we were able to ship code faster. We were able to test features a lot quicker. And so, um, you know, for me, I really loved it because I worked with content and media and the media service there is one of these big old you know, sort of uh, applications that developers really hated working in because it was just too big. It was so hard to load up on your own machine. And as we started breaking into microservices, that got a lot easier. We could ship a lot more features and it just really improved the end user experience. So when uh, John, um, the CEO of Slim AI was, was launching it with his uh, co-founder, Kyle Quest, um, you know, the, the mission really spoke to me. You know, I'd, I'd worked with some of the greatest engineers on the planet, I think, who are TripAdvisor, you know, serving 450 million unique users a month, you know, just incredible scale there. And I wanted to try to make their lives easier, you know? And so, you know, this was sort of an opportunity for me to kind of combine this content uh, background that I had and, and this technology background that I had and, you know, try to learn more about cloud and sort of where things are going um, with containers. Now, I knew nothing about containers, so I had a pretty steep learning curve there because that's Slim AI is built on the Docker Slim open source project, which is all about uh, making it easier for developers to optimize and secure their apps. Um, 
you know, and so I had a big learning curve there, but it's been really fun to kind of like learn new stuff, get to meet a lot of developers. And then I'm still going back to, you know, the people that I worked with at TripAdvisor and Orbitz and sort of my previous companies, you know, finding out what their experience with containers and Kubernetes and, you know, sort of modern cloud infrastructure looks like. So it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of all come together for me. So the origin story of Slim AI, Slim AI is fascinating too. But before we go into how that came to be, Let's take a short diversion and discuss the concept of a better container. Mm-hmm. Obviously, containerized applications in the container management market are experiencing explosive growth. And what we're seeing is that containers come in many shapes and sizes, some built better than others. And we're now learning the hard way that the way containers are built and perform in production can have major cost consequences. Can you shed a little light on what makes a container a better container and why we need to care about building better containers? Yeah, sure. So our take at Slim.ai, you know, basically comes from Kyle Quest, our co-founder and CTO. He's the creator of the Docker Slim open source project. And back in 2016, you know, Kyle was working and managing a team of developers who were, uh, you know, moving services to the cloud. And he saw this uh, challenge for the himself and the developers that he was working with that, you know, it's pretty easy to spin up a Docker container but it's pretty hard to practice best practices at scale um, across a large organization. And there's just a lot of manual work and a lot of toil and you end up kind of shipping things into production that you don't know for sure are safe. You don't know that they're performant and they're just not optimized. They have too many sort of things in them. And there's been other movements around this space as well, you know, um, build packs and multi-stage builds and these other sort of tools and techniques for, for approaching the same problem. Um, but Kyle really has this vision where it's sort of all automated, you know, and, and, you know, there's software that knows exactly what your container needs for your application to run. And you can run a process that's like in your CI CD pipeline or something like that, where, you know, that's going to ship just the best possible container you can downstream. And now when you do that, you know, you're removing a lot of the things that you don't need. And a lot of times it's those things that you don't need in the container that open you up to things like supply chain attacks or uh, vulnerabilities that are just from open source projects that might be in your container that you don't necessarily need there because your application isn't exercising them. So, you know, that's sort of our goal at Slim AI is to make it a lot easier for developers to sort of automate the pr- the the practice, uh, best practices in containers. And that's kind of what we mean when we say, you know, creating a better container. I think the other thing that we see from a developer experience perspective is, you know, developers just kind of want to write code. You know, they want to, they want the container, they want to put that code in a container and they want to ship it down to production in a way that they know that it's safe. So, you know, a lot of the sort of tribal knowledge that happens around containers these days is something that application developers may or may not want to learn, they certainly, you know, it comes at the expense of learning other things that could be interesting to them. And that's where a lot of this automation with sort of Docker Slim and the Slim developer platform uh, kind of came to bear. So. I think you guys did some research recently that underscored the sort of why we should care argument with um, some interesting findings. One of the things that I think I, I, I read was that uh, a bloated one gigabyte container takes something like six times longer to scan than a 200 megabyte image, you know, for a typical, do the math on that. Right. And for a typical team, this could mean close to what 160 hours of lost time per year. Talk to us a little bit more about the research project and what you found. Yeah. So we, 
we did this for KubeCon and it's available at our, our website at slim.ai. If you go to the, the article section there, you'll find a link to go download the, uh, the report that we released. Um, and so what we did was we took kind of what we, we saw to be the top, started with the top 100, it turned into the top 130 most impactful public containers that were out there. And we ran them through a suite of tools, including Docker Slim um, and a couple open source tools that did vulnerability scanning and creating an SBOM. And we use that to sort of proxy what like a typical CICD pipeline, right? You're going to hit commit on your container. You're going to ship it downstream. You're going to run some tests and, you know, test suites on it. And, you know, when you get that back, you know, that's sort of the developer lifecycle. And that might take like 10 minutes, you know, something like that, um, you know, pull the container, add your code, scan it, send it. Um, you know, when you're sending things that you don't need in production, this was like the first learning that we had in the report, you know, which, which feels a little obvious, but it's, it's, it's really sort of jaw dropping when you think about it, you know, like the size of that container is directly related to how long it takes to scan and how long it takes to push and pull it. Right. So if you're using containers that aren't optimized, you're just costing yourself time. And that time is not that sort of like, okay, I'm going to go you know, go to a meeting and an hour later, I'll come back and get my test. It's these sort of annoying little time scales, like seven minutes or 10 minutes that you don't have enough time to go do something else, but you're just kind of sitting there waiting for something to happen. Um, and we saw this as a big impact, you know, now we also put in the report, you know, uh, the relation to vulnerabilities, certainly bigger containers generally contain more vulnerabilities, though that's a little bit more of a nuanced finding. And we looked at things like developer friendliness in those containers, you know, like, do they have shells in them, which can be a, a security problem, but also, you know, a lot of developers want a shell in a container. So it's sort of implying this, this process that we've been talking about to harden your containers, right? Like a lot of that is sort of a manual process these days. And we're trying to get to a place where we can automate the removal of a lot of those things. But we just saw a very, very complex and um, complicated landscape that developers and DevOps professionals are facing these days. And the consequences of that, you know, are security vulnerabilities, lost time, lost velocity, you know, and they're the things that like organizations should really, really be concerned about. So. And we've been down the road pretty far so far, you know, a lot of people think Kubernetes and containers just sort of accepted, you know, mm-hmm. is there, are there best practices that have been developed that you, that you can talk about or, you know, or is it, you know, are these best practices easier said than done sometimes? Yeah, I think that's what we've seen, you know, like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff has been written since, you know, 2013, since the advent of, of Docker and 2014, the advent of Kubernetes, you know, about container best practices and what they should look like. Um, when we interviewed, you know, so to start that when we started the company, you know, we interviewed on the order of a hundred engineers who were working with containers and Kubernetes every day. And what we heard from them was that there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of tribal knowledge that goes into that. There's a lot of sort of manual fixing of containers. You know, I know we had one, uh, uh, engineer that we talked to who said, okay, I'm going to race you on Docker Slim. I'm going to automate my container best practices with Docker Slim, and then I'm going to do it by hand. And he of course beat us and, you know, had a smaller container and was able to do it, but you know, at what sort of cost, you know, he had to kind of manually tune the Docker file, manually tune different parts of the container. And, 
you know, this just isn't a world that sort of everybody can can live in. Um, you know, so at large companies, you know, they have developer experience teams and that's getting more commonplace. So you might have a team of five people that creates containers for the application developers to work with. But at small companies, you're not going to see that, you know, they're just not going to have that luxury. So, um, you know, container best practices are out there and we have, you know, some, we've written a lot about that on our, our blog and everything. Um, but I think the the main point that we're seeing is that they're they're pretty hard to do at scale, and there's not a lot of great tools out there to help you achieve them. So that sort of makes me think that and, you know community would play a mm-hmm. pretty large role uh, in the, in this. I would imagine open source as well. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you approach that at Slim AI? Yeah, well, Docker Slim is an open source project and has been since the start. And Kyle, uh, you know, feels very strongly about sort of open source tenants and, you know, gets very deep into, um, you know, what that looks like and why that community is important and, um, you know, how we think about that. To that end, we hired uh, Martin Wimpress from, um, he had been at Canonical. He's very big in the Ubuntu community and he's sort of running our community side. Um, and, you know, we see it sort of taking off and helping, you know, a lot of people are curious about containers, even though it's been around for, they've been around for, for a little while now. Um, but, you know, what we find is the, the community helps us inform what best practices look like. They help us, you know, decide what we need to be putting in our product and where sort of the shortcomings in the open source are and where we can fill some of those gaps. Um, you know, and then I think it gets into sort of integrations. We just like work in a very, you know, hyper uh, sort of ecosystem world these days. And so, you know, we've built out some integrations with Docker Hub and with uh, AWS ECR and with uh, Google Cloud Registry. And, you know, we're just looking for more places where we can do integrations because I think it's just, there's not going to be one tool that sort of solves all of these problems for people. You know, it's going to be a very, it is already a very integrated world. And so when you're working with containers, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, you can put those into your CI pipeline. You can sort of automate these minification of the container and this, um, you know, securing that container. And, you know, when you do that, you're going to pull it from one place, you're going to push it to another place. And that all needs to be seamless for the developer. Otherwise, you know, people have better ways of doing it. So, you know, I think those are all the things that we're learning from our community sort of early on. Um, And then, you know, hopefully we, you know, we build a a stable group of users that can help guide the product um, from there. So. And 11,000 stars on GitHub is nothing to to sneeze at uh, (laughs) on that. So how much expert... Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's just, it's, it's also really taken off recently, you know, which I think is, is interesting for us. It's all, Docker Slim always had, you know, a, a good group of users and a good group of contributors, um, you know, but then right around the end of 2019, it was sort of featured in a Hacker News article and it started getting this sort of notoriety around it. And so, you know, I think what that underscored for us is this is a problem still, you know, like the, for all the great work that's been done in sort of container best practices and software, uh, you know, supply chain security um, and this sort of knowledge that you need a smaller or more secure container, um, you know, developers are still looking for answers for this. And that's shown in the sort of like, you know, Docker Slim taking off from um, from that perspective. And it's sort of the reason why you built Slim AI, right? On top on top, on top, top of Docker Slim is to, you know, to optimize those containers and and help them with that. 
Yeah, yeah. Docker Slim remains, I mean, I think it is It is still sort of an expert level tool. It's got a ton of features and a ton of kind of uh, flags and customizations and ways that you can work with it. And we're continuing to invest. Kyle's still spending a ton of time, um, you know, thinking through what, what Docker Slim looks like. The Slim SaaS platform, the Slim developer platform is meant for sort of those integrations and to put sort of a web UI in front of that where... You know, if you're debugging a container or you want to know what changed from one container version to another, or if you, uh, you know, slimmed a container and you want to know your development container to your production container, what's different between those, that's what the the sort of current platform does. And we see it doing more and more as we go on, um, but we'll always have the open source, you know, and, and, you know, that'll always integrate into sort of the SaaS platform that we're building, so... Yeah, I think we forget about that a lot, is that a lot of these underlying technologies, these innovations Mm -hmm. are still powerful and hard um, and complex. And it's companies like Slim AI AI or, you know, companies like Linode building Mm -hmm. out the, you know, their managed Kubernetes engine, all these managed services as well that are trying to simplify it. Uh, In 2020, CNCF ran a survey uh, or a report, I think it was, that found that the use of containers in production has increased something like 300% since 2016, going back to what you were saying, right, where it's taken off. And 26% of the containers in production today are being run on public cloud managed Kubernetes offerings like Linode's uh, managed Kubernetes engine. How do you factor that into your product development strategy? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, really the whole the whole reason we exist. You know, we, we love seeing that we think containers are, you know, a very powerful tool. And then we think it really unlocks a lot of possibility for developers to do so, you know, companies like Linode, you know, who make it super, super easy to go set up a Kubernetes infrastructure, you know, to have a cloud that, you know, is easy to use and developer friendly, you know, we love that we, we jump right into it. You know, I think we, we don't see ourselves as being, um, you know, like, the one place, the the one-stop shop, you know, or anything like that. We we think people want to, are going to work in a multi-cloud environment. You know, we think they're going to go where they think the best infrastructure is. They're going to want to know where their containers live in all of these places. And they're going to want steps to sort of automatically push and pull them from different places, perform operations on them like minification or, um, you know, sort of generating uh, what's inside that container and and that sort of knowledge base. And so, you know, in a way we kind of see ourselves as being sort of this air traffic controller for, for containers over time. And so, you know, I think multi-cloud and that approach is just going to get more and more. Uh, we're going to see more and more of that. And, and we're building for that at Slim AI. You know, we, we want to be integrated into all the places that people are going to have their containers. So they have a single place where you can come and, and have that sort of knowledge base. Yeah, that that multi-cloud approach is one of the reasons why we're seeing uh, and we have seen the alternative cloud category uh, that 451 uh, coined uh, really take off people like Linode, Dio and Vulture and others uh, and OVH uh, is people people need choice, right? They want to put things where it's best to put them and where it might be simpler, right? Where they don't need a lot of that overhead. And that brings me to the fun part of this, right? Which is talking about customers, which is what we, mm-hmm. why we do, why we do all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been told about, and I read on your website about a, a company called payment works that you, mm-hmm. that you work with and you redesigned their DevOps approach to help their teams get code into production more quickly. Right. So simplicity, speed, right. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that 
particular project um, and especially the role, the role you played, because it sounded really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, PaymentWorks, uh, they're a great team. They're an enterprise payment provider, um, um, largely based here out of Boston, but of course they have, they have people all over. Um, and we've been working with them for, I mean, I say quite a while, but quite a while in slim AI time, which is like, you know, a year, but, um, but, uh, you know, so they were looking to, you know, they, they had a bunch of cloud infrastructure and they were looking to kind of modernize it, you know, and most specifically, you know, they had this sort of uh, test suite that they were running that was just taking a real long time to run. Uh, it sort of didn't have a ton of parallelization. It wasn't just taking advantage of sort of modern cloud infrastructure as, as we know it. And it wasn't, um, they were using containers, but not in a sort of very sophisticated way. And so they wanted, you know, it was actually their platform team that kind of came up with these ideas. And they said, you know, this is kind of what we wanted to do. And we looked at it and we said, actually, like, that's very similar to what, what we want to do. So, um, you know, we built sort of this agent into their Jenkins, they have a Jenkins CI pipeline. So we built into that, that gave their developers sort of one, it, it allowed their developers to start with a container um, that they knew was the container that they needed. So, you know, they weren't going up to the public cloud and pulling down just some random container and doing something with it. It was a pinned version of a container that the DevOps team could track. They had sort of an audit process that they knew that these were the right containers for them to use. And what we did was we built for them this, this uh, concept of collections. So collections just like, these are a group of containers. This is the way our application is composed. And we use these over time. Now with those collections, which they can build in sort of a web UI, we can auto-generate a Docker Compose file for them. And then we actually share that Docker Compose file with, um, you know, with their sort of version control systems, you know? So they actually know like, okay, when we go to make a commit, we generate this new Docker Compose file that tells you, you know, hey, these are the containers that were used in this application. And it gives you this sort of long-term audit trail. And, you know, they're sort of calling it sort of like the, the, the PR system for their containers, right? And so it just allowed them to kind of like modernize their infrastructure a lot quicker. And their developers said, compared to what they were doing with it previously, which was a lot of manual tasks, a lot of scripts, every time they update the container, they need to update all the scripts. And there's a lot of copy paste and stuff like that that this new system is 10 times faster for them. So this was like a really great win for us. And they're like just really, really great developers. It's a great culture over there. Um, I believe they're still hiring. So if people are listening and, and, and looking for work, uh, look up PaymentWorks, but, um, but they're just a great team. And so it was really cool to work with them. And, you know, they got in with us really, really early. And now we have, you know, working code in production that sort of proves out the system that we've been trying to build, which is a really great feeling for us. So. Sounds like it sounds like this is off to a great start. Where next? Uh, yeah, so we've got we've got a, a feature that is coming in Q1 2022 that we are all very very excited about. So uh, a little too early for me to to say what exactly it is, but let's just say that um, you know uh, people should keep their eyes peeled. I'm sure we'll do a big uh, kind of release for that one. So excited about that. That'll bring some of the core Docker Slim capabilities to the Slim SaaS platform. So um, keep an eye out for that. And then I think, you know, we've been, we've been working on a lot of partnerships. So I think we're really hoping to launch a lot more integrations and, and partnerships and stuff like that. And, um, and all this will be available for us at the, uh, you know, we, we do a Twitch, a weekly Twitch stream. So um, you know, Mike, maybe we can have you on that. You can t talk to some of our community about Linode and, and what you guys are doing. But um, if people are curious just to keep in touch with us, Twitch is a great way to do it. Uh, Martin and I go on there on a pretty regular basis. So, 
That's awesome. It'd be fun to join that. Yeah. So Peter, thanks you so much for your time today. This was uh, extremely enjoyable and I hope our listeners ex- uh, enjoyed it as much as I did. For anyone who is listening uh, and would like to learn more about building better containerized applications with less friction, where can they go to learn more and where can they follow you at? Yeah, so we are at uh, Slim DevOps um, on Twitter and on Twitch, uh, obviously Slim.ai. And then I am on Twitter at PS van p-s-v-a-n-n so yeah reach out give me a follow and uh say hi thank you so much yeah mike i really appreciate it thank you so much thanks for listening to craft of code we hope you enjoyed the episode if you did please subscribe to make sure you're the first to hear when we release future episodes and we'd love it if you left a review 